When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Competition committee is the word of the day. It's Friday, September 9th, 2022. Of course, we send our condolences to Queen Elizabeth II and to everybody in the UK and all of the territories that they've either acquired, stolen, fought for, or rightfully won. But we are not postponing nothing personal nor taking a moment of silence, which I guess we could. Ready? Here it goes. I'll just do that when I cough or something. But sending our best 70 years my god it's a long time i think that's second longest to like i thought it was the longest coca but it was the second longest to king louis the something maybe 13th 14th 15th 16th or 69th who did it for 73 years doing something for 70 years just seems like a long time i mean other than living but we got to get right into it competition committee it's friday we got a lot to cover The competition committee, that's the committee I was on. And it was all owners and presidents. And our job was to make the game better, figure out how to help with pace of play, pace of action. We had all these ideas, talked about realignment, talked about expansion, talked about rule changes, pitch clocks, replay, etc. Then there was a collective bargaining negotiation. And the players said, we want a voice. And so MLB said, all right, we're in. We're going to make a new competition committee, and this committee's going to be able to suggest and then vote on rule changes. And the players said, all right, um, tell me, who's on the competition committee? Oh, no problem. We're going to have 11 people. We're going to put six on, and then you can have four players and we'll do one umpire. Does that sound good? And the players union and Tony Clark and all of the players, Scott Boris's players and Scott Boris said, all right, you know, that really doesn't sound outstanding because let's get to the rules. Just out of curiosity, um, how many members of the competition committee are needed to pass a new rule? Oh, that's that's easy. A majority. Uh, what's the majority of 12? Uh, you can do the math. I Maybe some of you can do the math. It's six. So wait, if all of the owners on the competition committee agree to something, that means no matter what the players think it gets done, hello, welcome to Collective Bargaining 101. So they're going to vote on a bunch of rules today, and we have to talk about them. 
because just let's laugh about a couple things, okay? Number one, when you hire a manager like Tony La Russa or Jack McKeon or somebody who may have a bum hip or a bad knee, just picture sort of Lou from Major League, right? You're gruffy and you've got a mustache. This is my Friday voice. Throw him the heater. You now have 30 seconds to do a mound visit. I love it. I wanted to eliminate mound visits altogether because I know what goes on during a mound visit, and it's simply to give the pitcher a breather to try to curb momentum. It's like calling a timeout in a game in, in, in football to get a play in or to stop the clock. In a clocked game, I understand timeouts. In an unclocked game, I don't understand mound visits. So what I wanted was times out. I wanted to give every team three timeouts a game. That's it. You want a meeting at the mound. You want to give your pitcher a breath. Whatever you want to do, I don't care. It's a timeout. And you get three of them. That's it. Use them as you wish. That did not get the votes. I wish it would have, though, given all the changes they're making, because that would have made more sense. Now you have 30 seconds to do a mound visit, and it starts when the manager first leaves the dugout. That'll do it for old managers, folks, unless they're allowed some sort of segue. Can you imagine a motorized vehicle taking a manager from the dugout to the bullpen to the mound? Not from the bullpen to the mound. God, start that again. That could have been so much better. Ready? 469, 26, hike, Epsom salt. Can you imagine if you had a motorized vehicle taking the manager from the dugout to the pitcher's mound. Because that's what you're gonna need. Because frankly, there's some managers, by the time they get out there, the clock's already done. Although maybe that's the point, because there's nothing that goes on. Hey, how do you feel? Should we take you out of the game? Can you get me one more out? I need you to get me two more outs. Hey, I got no one warming up, it's all you. Hey, just take a breath. Remember our approach here. We're gonna be throwing a slider. Well, you could have just called a slider. I would have thrown a slider and try not to give up a hit. All right, I'll try not to give up a hit. That's a mound visit. That's the least of the rule changes that are happening. Are you excited about the larger bases? Here was our philosophy on larger bases. I couldn't stand when players got hurt stealing bases. And the way they get hurt is you can break fingers if you slide head first, and so what we did is gave these players these mitts that they use. Hey, just wear a mitt. It may not be comfortable, but you won't break your fingers because you can clinch your fingers in the mitt and then the mitt can touch it and the mitt is actually larger than your hand so the mitt can get to the base faster. And if the mitt gets to the, it's the, the glove, not a glove, not a baseball glove, not a mitt, not a baseball glove, but like a, um, uh, a, a hand glove like during winter. So the mitt can get to the base faster there's a chance that you can be safe more. And then people said, why not make the bases bigger? Then we can stop injuries and we can have more people stealing bases, which we want the game in motion. And that was something that we've always talked about, which is let's stop waiting for the three run homer. News alert, we're still gonna be waiting for the three run homer because that's what pays. All of the changes made yesterday, trying to speed up the game, trying to get more stolen bases, more doubles, more hits, faster action. We didn't change how players get paid. Aaron Judge has 10 home runs this year, but he stole 54 bases. 
give me $350 million. Come on. You know exactly how players get paid, and it's by getting down on the knob and swinging out of their buttocks and hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And managers are reticent to run into outs. They don't even like sacrifice bunting. Why give up an out when that's another opportunity for someone to hit a home run? Ah, but listen, we're going to deaden the ball. Except when Judge plays on national TV, then we will liven the ball and juice it. All these conspiracy theories. So the competition committee is going to vote today. We're going to get larger bases. We're going to get mound visits in 30 seconds. We're going to get a pitch clock. Finally. Do you know what I love about a pitch clock? That's the clock where the umpire starts it, and it's all very confusing, but the umpire can only start it when the ball boy's off the field, when the player who makes an out the previous at-bat is off the field, when the pitcher looks like he's ready. Basically, it's up to the umpires to decide when they start the clock. If there's no one on base, you get 15 seconds to throw the ball. If there's someone on base, you get 20 seconds to throw the ball because the owner said, our GMs told us that our pitchers need more time with people on base because they've got to really think about their pitches and pitch carefully, and they've got to look over to first base, and they may have to throw, but let's not disengage the prophylactic. Here's the thing. What they're not telling you is the number of pitchers who violate the 20-second time clock or the 15-second pitch clock is so small that that rule is only impacting a few games when those pitchers are pitching. You're getting stats. The pitch clock worked in the minor leagues. All these games were way faster. Okay. When those minor league pitchers, most of whom are never going to make the major leagues, when they get to the major leagues, they're going to keep throwing that quickly. Uh, maybe they won't actually because they're going to realize that in the minor leagues, if you don't get someone out, then you're okay. In the major leagues, if you don't get someone out, you may get sent back to the minor leagues and start making the minor league money instead of the major league money. So you're going to take your time. But the only thing that matters, and the owners have been reticent to do it, they don't want to get too aggressive because they don't want their pitchers to have to rush. So they made a time that I promise as we go forward, that time's going to decrease, not increase. It's too long. But anyway, the pitcher gets on the rubber, has 20 seconds. Where's the hitter? No, we got that covered. Hitters must be in the box, ready to hit with eight seconds to go on the pitch clock. Can you imagine hitters are now looking at a pitch clock as they do their routine? I'm picturing Bryce Harper putting the gloves on, putting the gloves off, doing the pine tar, putting his hand up the bat, touching his toes. I'm pitching Pudge Rodriguez, crossing himself every at-bat before every pitch. I'm picturing all the things that players do as they get ready. They step out, they step in, they wiggle their tushy, all the things they do. But they got to look at the clock. So now every in-game operations department in every stadium has to make sure there are clocks everywhere that are visible to left-handed batters, to right-handed batters, to pitchers. Everyone's got to see the clock. They're going to be behind the plate. They're going to be in the outfield. They're going to be on the sides. It's going to be like the, can you imagine the 24-second clock in the NBA like being everywhere? Here's the countdown. Three, two, shoot, shoot. That's what we're going to yell when pitchers are down to three, two, one. Pitch, pitch. 
And then on top of that, if you violate the shot clock, it's a ball. Three, six, nine. If you violate the pitch clock, it's a ball. But it's in the discretion of the umpires. So the umpires that we're complaining about because they can't even call balls and strikes, they've got enough to worry about. Now the home plate umpire is focusing on the pitch clock. Unless, of course, they give it to the third base, second base, or first base umpire who's going to have to somehow yell in some crowded stadiums, like 15 out of 30, violation, ball one. No, it's going to be the home plate umpire who's now going to have even more to do. Not getting paid more, not better at calling balls and strikes because there's no robo strike zone. There's no tennis replay system. We're not there yet. It's too controversial. So the umpires are focused on the pitcher getting ready in 20, start the clock. The bullpen visits, the mound visits, get ready, you got 30 seconds. Then you got to remember that relievers could have to pitch to three batters. Then you got to make sure the hitter is in the box with eight seconds to go. Because if the hitter's not in the box with eight seconds to go, you can call a strike. Good luck. The over-under on the number of strikes that'll be called of hitters who are not in the box ready to go with eight seconds is going to be one. Take the under. Now they may just do it just to say they're doing it. I'm going to say it's 1.2. Take the under. We'll look for that. That's not an official way to see, but we're going to look for that next year. How many strikes are called? How about the number of balls? Can you imagine three and one, bases loaded, bottom of the ninth? Very, very pressure-filled game to see who's going to win the division. The pitcher's ready. He looks in. He looks out. He looks in again. Five, four, hurry. You're yelling from the suite. Hurry. And the manager's saying, please, my segue isn't ready. I can't get to the mound fast enough. I have no timeouts left. I have no mound visits left. Two, one. Oh, shite. I didn't do it. Ball four, walk in the winning run. Are you kidding me? N-G-T. H, never going to happen. It's like when your parents give you a, a rule and you have to follow it, but there's no consequence if you don't follow it. And so the first time you don't follow it, you look around, wait a minute, nothing happened to me. I guess I'm going to keep going. And then you do it again and then again and then again and then again. And then what? There might as well not be a rule. That's why when you make rules for your kids, you actually have to enforce them the first time or rules for your employees or rules for your players. If you have a rule, enforce it. And there has to be meat to the enforcement because if you don't care about the enforced rule, like players don't care about the fine for uniform violations and all the other stuff. Hey, here's the 500 bucks. I just saw it in the bottom of my locker. Take it. Now I'll wear the uniform however I want to. It's absurd. How about the disengagement from the rubber rule? It's never good to disengage the rubber. When you are engaged, you have an opportunity to either go forward or not, right? That's what being engaged is. And once you go forward, that's it, right? You are committed to the plate. And if you then don't go to the plate, that can be a balk. A balk is when somebody gets to go to second base. That's sort of fun. So there's a new rule that pitchers can only disengage the rubber three times. We had this nailed in the competition committee. We said we're going to limit the number of pickoff throws 
And by doing that, we are going to cause runners to be able to steal bases because once the pitcher throws over twice and the crowd boos twice, he can't throw over a third time. That means the runner on first might as well be on second because he will be able, short of having JT Realmuto catching or certain other catchers, not many, you will be able to get second base very easily, maybe even third base. But what the rule is going to say today is that on the third pickoff, which means the third rubber disengagement. Now, remember, pitchers step off the rubber a lot. When you watch a baseball game, sometimes they step off the rubber and just look at the first base runner or the second base runner, but they don't throw. That's a disengagement. Everybody out there, understand, when your foot's not on the rubber, you have disengaged it once you engage it. You can't disengage until you've engaged. That's quite true, actually, in every sense of the word. I'm disengaging with you. Well, you were never talking to me in the first place. We were never engaged. No, no, but now we are disengaged. That's funny. So the pitcher engages, throws over to first base. That's one. Now you got the first base coach who has to remember to keep count. So he's going to have a, a stopwatch, with fir which first base coaches have. And the stopwatch is used to keep track of time to plate. That is how long it takes for the pitcher, once he's engaged, to score. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Once he's engaged, to throw to the catcher. And then the catcher throwing to second base. Because then they know how fast the runner is, how fast the catcher throws, how fast the pitcher throws home, and then whether or not the first base runner can steal second base. Now, the first base coach, in addition to holding the knee pad, the elbow pad, and the shin pad of the batter that went from home plate to first base and shed his armor, will have another clock because he's got to keep track. It's like the balls and strike buzzer or some sort of click, click. Oh, that's two. That's two. All right, that's it. We're going to be yelling from the dugout. No, he's got one more disengagement. Take a bigger lead. But now the rule is they can disengage a third time, the pitchers can, but you better get the runner out. If you disengage and don't throw to first base, that's a balk. If you disengage and throw to first base and the runner is safe, the runner is awarded second base. Did you hear what I said? If you throw over to first base a third time in an at-bat and you do not pick off the player, the runner, that runner automatically goes to second base. Holy shnikes, we're telling our pitchers, do not throw a third time. But wait a minute. If you don't throw a third time, then they can take a 50-step lead. Well, in that case, jackass, throw it to first base and you'll get him in a pickle and you'll get the runner out. So don't worry, that will not be an unintended consequence of this rule that all of a sudden runners can just take 30-foot leads. So all of this is happening before the pitch is thrown. Now the pitch gets thrown, we have a new rule, end of defensive shifts. Have you ever gone to a game and taught your child or taught your friend to keep score and when there's a ground ball to second base and he throws it to first base, that's called a four to three. But sometimes now the third baseman is playing where the second baseman plays. So now when there's a ground ball to second base and the third baseman gets it, you have to tell your kid that's five to three. I can't tell who's playing where. How do we know? Can we put chips in them so we can get a beep? Third baseman now playing between first and second. The ground ball goes, ah, five to three. Or the old six to three, which is a ground ball up the middle. Ah, that's the shortstop. It's insane. Sometimes you can have a P 
five because the third baseman is playing on the outfield grass or the shortstop they move to the first base side of second base they have him play in the outfield there's a little pop-up hey i got it oh that's a fly ball to right field nope that's a fly ball to shortstop no it's not this is what defensive shifts were and they happen every pitch it's absurd new rule no more defensive shifting i was against this rule because i wanted hitters to adjust I'm not happy when my left-handed hitters hit a sharp line drive in between first and second that would be a base hit and there's a player standing there in the outfield grass. I admitted I wasn't happy. And I would say to players, why can't you just hit it the other way? And they'd say, you try hitting it the other way. You ever tried dragging Jabbar and Walton up the court? No, I have not. I have not tried to hit major league pitching. I agree. But you're getting paid. All of that said, we have a new rule for you, the fans. So we can have more offense. You can keep track of where players are. And we can return to keeping score. No infielders can be on the outfield grass. And two infielders have to be on either side of second base. On top of that, the umpires have to keep track. Do you know how there's men in motion in football? Oh, look, men in motion. Here they go. All right. And then the rule in football is only a certain number of players can be on the line of scrimmage. So you've got players looking in. They take the, they take one step back, one step forward. They're in the four-point stance, three inches back, all to make sure that the number of people on the line of scrimmage is not an illegal formation. And you're trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Well, in baseball, there could be players moving everywhere, but they have to stay on one side of second base and they can't be on the outfield grass. But here's the best part of the rule. It's the umpires who have the discretion to decide whether or not the intent of the defense was to trick the umpires into thinking they had two people on each side of second base. Then the pitcher engages the rubber, throws home, not to first base. Then upon the pitch, everybody's running all over the place. The shortstop runs to the other side of second base to be in position for when the pitch is pitched. Like the wheel play, the wheel play in baseball is when there's a bunt and the shortstop runs to third and the third baseman runs in and the first baseman runs in and the second baseman runs to first, like when there used to be bunts. So everybody's moving somewhere on the pitch. Now, if infielders are moving to places they shouldn't be moving, guess what happens? This is the greatest. If the umpire calls it, the offensive team gets to decide, do they want the result of that pitch or not so hear me out this is brilliant the pitch is thrown the shortstop moves to the other side of second base the batter swings and hits a fly ball to left field the left fielder catches it the man on third with under two outs scores excuse me there's been a violation I'd like to take a minute. We don't interrupt the game for too long, but I'd like to take a minute and ask the manager of the team at bat, would you like the result of that play or would you like a ball? Not like a ball to keep or a ball to give to Sasha Banks. I'm just talking about a ball. And so the question is, now we have to meet with our managers beforehand and talk about all these different scenarios of when we would like to take the result of a play or not. If there's a fly ball and a sacrifice fly that scores one run, but the bases are loaded and there's three balls and you're down by two runs, do you want to give up an out for a run? No, you're looking for a base hit or a home run. 
So now we're going to take the time to decide whether or not the offensive team wants to break in football. They've decided to decline the penalty. It takes like three seconds. No, we're going to go with the result of the play. All it is is math. If the result of the play is more yards than the penalty, then generally you take the result of the play unless you'd like to have it still be first down. It's a whole Megillah. That'll be fun. So basically what you're going to read about today is a vote of a bunch of rule changes that are going to cause umpires to have to think about 30 more things, will not speed up the game, and may not actually increase offense. Other than that, it is a plan worth pursuing. We'll be right back with a review of Bean Serena, and then we're going to talk about the Dominican Republic and a great lawsuit against the Anaheim Angels of Los Angeles. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think there'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers... Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Quentin, Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. (sighs) Thanks for making it through the gauntlet. If you missed that first segment, then thanks for joining us now. Thank you for rating and reviewing. Please write write a review on Apple. Now, there's all these different sort of platforms there's like beyond pod or beyond the thunderdome or the pleasure dome or whatever there are good pod bad pod just somehow find a way to subscribe and get on youtube nothing personal with david sampson coca someone got to me on twitter david p sampson yesterday and said why don't we engage with our fans on youtube so i'm going to start to look at comments on youtube because i engage with people on twitter david p sampson on instagram sometimes as well do we have the nothing personal? We have a lot of stuff going on. But I'm going to try harder and work harder. And so is Coca. I watched Bean Serena two days ago. And I said this on another previous show, either on a nothing personal or Levitard show. I'm a little upset that I'm very confused about when shows are new or not new. When I go to a streaming service and I see something recommended for you, Bean Serena, 
I thought that was a current documentary. So I looked to make sure all the episodes had been released. They had all been released. I watched all five episodes. I'm like, wait a minute. I just saw her kid who looks way older than the kid that I'm seeing in this documentary. I thought she was married already. Oh, crikeys. It's four years old. Being Serene is a five-part documentary, which is a, you know, I'm in a sort of tennis frame of mind right now at the U.S. Open. If you're not watching TFO, the guy who beat Nadal, who's now in the semifinals, play tonight, you should. There's no NFL game. There are a bunch of good baseball games, but you should watch that match. He could be an American in the final. We haven't had an American do well in the U.S. Open in like since Roddick, like 15 years ago. So this is pretty exciting stuff. So I'm in a tennis frame of mind. I can't remember who's in the women's final, but it's two of the top seeds. But it's no Americans, I don't think. Not that that matters. I'm not a xenophobe or anything. But being Serena talks about her wedding. It talks about her husband, her child being pregnant, coming back. Her coach comes off as sort of a mean guy like, hey, you're fat. Like, you got to get in shape right now. You got to come to my special place in the south of France where you're going to see my name everywhere and we're going to have it all over the documentary and we're going to get you in shape. I found that to be a little off-putting actually. So being Serena's old, you can just sort of watch the new Serena if there is one. I'd skip it. Okay, here we go. Yesterday, as every Thursday, we appear on the Dan Levitard show. And yesterday, Dan and Mike were not around and we're doing a show and we're talking about the Dominican Republic and we're talking about the reality of how teams operate in the Dominican Republic. And it got a bit of attention for whatever reason because people generally don't talk about it, but I do because that's what nothing personal is. And that's what I do is I try to tell you what really goes on behind the scenes in sports, in business. And then all of a sudden, a story broke after we had recorded a segment which had not been planned. I never know what we're gonna talk about, we just talk. I didn't know what we were gonna talk about the Dominican Republic. All of a sudden a story breaks that there's a lawsuit being filed by two players in the Dominican Republic suing the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim for violating an oral agreement. These are two young players who were promised a contract when they were too young to be signed then when they were old enough to be signed, the Angels said, eh, we changed our mind. And the players said, you can't do that. We had a verbal agreement. In the United States, let me give you a quick primer on contracts without needing to be a lawyer or practice law, of which I am the former, but not the latter. When someone tells you they're gonna do something, don't take their word for it, get it in writing. I promise you that I'm going to pay you $40,000 a year. Look for it in your next paycheck. Really? That's it? Do I get to sign? Is there a contract? I promise that I'm going to deliver to you a brand new generator for when there's a hurricane. Okay? When? Contracts need to be written if you want them enforced. That's the general rule here in the United States of America. In the Dominican Republic, it's the wild, wild west. Sometimes contracts are enforceable when you talk. The problem with talking is that sometimes there is an absence of communication. I'm sorry, what were we saying? Wait, you wanted me to deliver you 
20 of those? I thought you said two. Well, I paid you for 20. Oh, did I not tell you how much they are? Oral contracts in the Dominican can be enforceable. So here's what the angels did. They had their Dominican scouts. Let me just be clear. When we hire people in the Dominican, we are paying them so much less than we pay the people in the US because their cost of living is lower and because they all want jobs and because we can, because if they want more money, we get rid of them because there's a million more people who will take their job in two seconds flat for way less money. However, they all want more money. So what they do is they try to find ways to make more money, potentially sous la table. Now, I'm not certainly saying that people are making money in the Dominican in nefarious ways under the table. Yes, I am. I'm not exactly saying that they're employees of teams who are taking payments. Yes, I am. I'm not necessarily saying that we sign players and promise to sign players before we are legally allowed to under baseball rules. Yes, I am. I'm not saying that we commit criminal acts No, I'm not. There is nothing wrong with telling a 12-year-old, we're going to sign you when you're 16. Get excited. Don't cry, but get excited. Guess what? When you turn 16, we do not have to in any way sign you. But now there's a lawsuit that could change the way business is done in the Dominican forever. Can you imagine if these players prevail? And the point of this lawsuit and what the lawyers down the Dominican have been saying is we're trying to set a precedent. We want to make sure that going forward, when kids are promised something, that they get it. The problem with promising a 13-year-old that you're going to sign him when he's 16 is between 13 and 16, he may do things that make him not good enough to be signed. Eat too much, drink too much, smoke too much, whatever they do. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Just not throw faster. When we, when we look at 13-year-olds who are throwing 84, when they're 16, we want them throwing 88. If they're throwing 80 when they're 16 and they were throwing 84 when they're 13, then we're not going to sign them. Or if you find out... Or if we find out they're not actually 13, they were 18 when we thought they were 13. When they turn 16, they're now 21, and they drive themselves to the field... We'd say, wow, with a beer, with a cerveza in their hand, we would say, huh, I don't think we're going to sign you. You shouldn't have brought your child to the signing. This stuff's been going on with all 30 teams. And if this lawsuit prevails, that's a major problem. Baseball's been trying to convince you we've cleaned up the Dominican. We are doing right by these kids. We're teaching them English. We're teaching them skills. We're taking care of them and feeding them great. And look at how great their rooms are. We've got cable. We've got Wi-Fi. It is a factory. It's not like a sweat factory, like where we've got workers who are working in horrific conditions, though the air conditioning is not great might I add. But all of that said, these are players who want a chance to be in the major leagues and they will do anything to get there, including, by the way, PEDs. Have you noticed the majority of people who get PED'd are players in the Dominican? And that is because, not because they all do it, but because when you're young and you have a chance to get out of poverty and if you get caught, you get caught. But if you don't get caught, you have a chance to get signed and have life-changing money for your family. What would you do? Hey, I'm going to do a cycle. 
I want to get noticed and get a visa over to the U.S., then I'll stop. Or maybe I'll do one more cycle to get on the roster. Because even making five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars that is a huge deal for many, many different families. So, what happens now? Major League Baseball gets informed about the lawsuit immediately. The Los Angeles Angels get informed about the lawsuit. And the one thing that I would like to mention is that the Angels are for sale. When you do a transaction, a purchase and sale agreement, there, is, there are several ways to do it. The most common way is that you are assuming all liabilities and purchasing all assets. Liabilities of a company are accounts payable. Let's say you owe somebody money, like a player who signed to a long-term deal, or you owe to a sponsor who paid upfront but has a five-year deal. You have to do all the deliverables to that sponsor for the rest of the term of their sponsorship. But there's also an entire section of an agreement when you purchase a team or sell a team that relates to lawsuits. You have to list all the lawsuits, and then you have to decide who is responsible for these lawsuits. Sometimes it's the buyer. Sometimes the seller maintains responsibility for the lawsuits, and the seller has to pay the buyer if the seller loses the lawsuit even after the team has been sold to the buyer. It's something called an assumed liability. If a buyer says, I'll take that lawsuit, no problem. I'll fight it. I've got the lawyers. I'll figure it out. And if we lose, we'll assume the liability. If we win, then we're good. This is an interesting one because if I'm buying the Angels, I don't really want to assume this liability. And the reason I don't want to assume this liability is because I don't know what's going to happen in Dominican because it's in the Dominican. And so a judge could easily say, we want the Angels, and we're going to rule that the Angels have to pay $10 million to each player. Now, I don't think they're each suing. There's two players. I think one's suing for $5 million, one's suing for $8 million, something like that. But it doesn't much matter, right? It is the fact that that would be a cost of the buyer of the Angels. So now the Angels have to figure out, as they're going through the sales process, this lawsuit, add it to the list. MLB has to figure out how do we get rid of this lawsuit and how do we use this to get an international draft where we can explain to people in the Dominican with an international draft, all of this fraud will go away. All of these kids who are being promised things, it will go away because either you're eligible for the draft or you're not, either you're drafted or you're not. What they're not telling you is that what the international draft will not do is fill up the roster. Every team has a full Dominican League roster. They have a full academy because you're not really sure who's going to make it. So you assign 20 kids for 500 bucks, 20 kids for $5,000, and you put them all together, and then you wait and see. If an international draft is 10 rounds, 20 rounds, 30 rounds, I guess it would have to be that many rounds to fill up an entire team. I don't think the international draft will be 30 rounds. So there will be unsigned draft draft eligible players. There'll also be young players who can say to teams, don't draft me, I'm not gonna sign with you. You know how that happens in football and in baseball? An international draft could have that result. So the fraud, the issues, all of that is going to keep happening. So when you've got a lawsuit, when you have a real downside to a judgment in that lawsuit, What do you do? Say it with me. 
as we approach the end of Friday. One, two, three, settle. Wait to see is when I tell you something's going to happen. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. The Angels will settle this case. Okay. Nothing personal pick of the day. I don't know why everyone was not betting the bills the way we were. I watched the NFL, the pomp, the circumstance, the moment of silence. I guess everyone has to do a moment of silence no matter where you are because Queen Elizabeth passed away at 96. So they did a moment of silence. The NFL season starts. Josh Allen leads the team down to a touchdown to start. Then there's interception, turnover, interception, fumble, interception, interception. 10-10 at the half. The Bills pull away and crush the Rams. And the Super Bowl hangover is real. I don't know why Lebitard's people didn't understand that. But you all did. We won that pick of the day. How about the Marlins and Alcantara? Yeah, he lost the Cy Young last night. He can't win the Cy Young. He's had too many bad outings in the second half. But the Marlins won, and that's all that matters. We are 178. 22 games over. We hit 100 on September 9th. I wonder when we hit 100 last year, but we are doing just fine. I've got three picks for you, and let's talk about the weekend of sports because we've got college football. I've got no picks for you in college football because Coca wants to keep college football separate. I've got Friday, Rays-Yankees, huge series. Yankees lost to the Twins last night. The Rays are going into Yankee Stadium, although I just realized, Coca, that I'm totally blanking, but I'm checking right now. I think the Rays are in Yankee Stadium. They are. Okay. The Yankees have their new trade deadline acquisition pitching, and the Rays have a chance, not a good chance, but a chance to catch the Yankees. They're only four and a half back. When you have a three-game series and you're four and a half game back and you're in September, you are thinking sweep. Because if you win the series two to one, then you've only made up a game and you're still three and a half games back. If you sweep, you're one and a half back and you feel like, hey, I can win this division. So the Yankees' mentality is we got to get a game. The Rays' mentality is we got to get three games. What happens? The Rays get the first game. So look for the Rays over the Yankees. Again, their offense just troubles me. I'm not sure what's happening. Their pitching troubles me. I don't think they're going to lose the division, but I do think the Rays will win tonight. Then Saturday, I know you got college football to watch. I know you're all busy, but I'm just wondering, are you willing to watch Otani pitch? He's pitching against the Astros. The Astros are the best team in the American League, favored to go to the World Series could easily go to the World Series instead of the Yankees, for sure. I actually think that's going to happen. Otani, if he pitches seven scoreless and lowers his ERA and hits one or two home runs, all of you Yankee fans just settle down. Are you sure he's not the MVP? We'll still get to talk about it, but I've got Otani and the Angels over the Astros. And then it's Sunday, NFL Day. How many of you are just going to sit around and watch games all day long, Lionel Richie? I may. I may not. I have to run, actually. I'm doing a Coke. I'm doing a marathon in two weeks, and I have not run since Kilimanjaro on July 16th. I have not laced up sneakers. My hamstring is healing, but I have not laced up sneakers in almost two months. 
And now it's become like a badge of honor. Like, can I do Berlin in under six hours and 15 minutes without having run in two months? I don't think I can take that chance, but I may. But I'm going to sit around Sunday and I'm going to watch football. And the game that interests me, of course, is Tom Brady at 45. Is he 45 yet, Coca? Is he going to play at 45? I actually don't know the answer to that. But either way, he's playing the Jerry Jones Cowboys. The Cowboys are under tremendous pressure. The Buccaneers are under tremendous pressure. Are the Buccaneers still good? The answer is maybe. Can Tom Brady still be Tom Brady? The answer is maybe. Is he still distracted? Is he over the mass singer, the marital discord? Is he focused and dialed in? I'm taking the Cowboys plus two and a half against the Bucks. So Rays over Yankees Friday, Otani over Astros Saturday, and Cowboys plus two and a half. All right, before we go, I got to get to a So You Want to Talk to Samson question, please, if you don't mind. You know what I want? I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson when you asked me a question on Twitter, David P. Samson. Someone got to me on this, and I just wanted to head into the weekend with this thought. We're all excited for the World Cup. I am not happy the World Cup is in Qatar. I think it, the whole sports cleansing, you know my view, go to past shows. But the thing about it is that there's no alcohol except in certain places in Qatar. Like you have to be in a hotel and then don't go on the street and you better not do drugs. No like cartridges at all. No J's, no oil, no CBD gummies, no nothing because you're getting full midnight expressed. And believe me, Biden's not coming for you. But what about alcohol? All these people traveling from around the world. And your question was, did FIFA make a deal with Qatar knowing the ban on alcohol? How do sponsors deal with this? So many questions, so many concerns. Help me. And hello, David. Hello. It's always a good way to get your question on the air. I appreciate that. Keep coming with the questions. One of the biggest World Cup sponsors is Budweiser. When Qatar was named the host of the World Cup, it was named the host of the World Cup because they bribed the officials and paid in order to name themselves the host of the World Cup. And on top of that, they got them to change the time of the World Cup because it's ungodly hot in the summer. So now it's in November. But everyone's good. We're good. It's fine. They're going to build 17 stadiums. Thousands of people are going to die building the stadiums. But don't worry. They're immigrants. They're forced labor from China and India. People are like dying like flies while they're building their stadium. All the Qatar people came to Marlins Park and I gave them a tour trying to tell them how to build the stadium. And they had a million questions for me. What do we do? How do we do? How did you get it on budget? Under budget, actually, and on time. They went over budget. What do they care? They're printing money. Literally, they print money there. They have printing presses where they print money. I mean, not really. Seriously, they print money. But somehow... Don't drink. Now, you want to be, you don't want to recognize women, no problem. Women shouldn't be educated. They shouldn't be seen. They should be mistreated, violated in every possible way. And uh, we're going to be anti-Semitic if you don't mind. But by the way, we are very, very righteous. No drinking. That's horrible. Budweiser says, hey, we're the sponsor of the World Cup. We've got to be sold there. Great. They're going to have zones. So get ready. 
there's going to be alcohol zones. You got it. It's like, you know, how there's smoking areas now where they put you in like a box with windows and, 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 and no vents and, and you walk by and you, Hey, can we feed the animals? <laughs> That's what it's going to be like for drinking. And they were very clear yesterday. They made an announcement. You better not bring alcohol because if we find you bringing alcohol into our country, you are subject to prison. And believe me when I tell you, you don't want to go to prison in Qatar. So they had all these announcements about where the locations are going to be for alcohol. And Budweiser somehow got satisfied and the sponsors got satisfied. It's a major issue because sponsors want their product placement everywhere. They want people enjoying their product. But what sponsors really pay for is they pay for the exposure with everybody watching on TV. For the people who go to the matches, that's one thing. You want them drinking out of a Bud Cup and Bud, Budweiser beer. But really, it's the signage. So the sponsors say to themselves, hey, listen, we'll be a part of this country and all of this horrific cleansing, but just make sure that our name is in lights and make sure that everybody on TV can see it. That's how they deal with it. And did the World Cup officials know that there was a ban on alcohol? Of course they did. But it's just business. Have a good glass of water. This is nothing personal. 